This is the limitless Keith Lee. This is Brody King. This is Angel Garza. Will Ospreay. Hornswoggle. Pentagon. Junior. The villain, Marty Scow. The Mexican Ray Phoenix. King Ricochet. Concrete Rose, Sunny Kiss. And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the busted wide open. 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 Busted wide open podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome everybody to BWO Live, coming to you from Twitch. This is episode number 267, riding high on the fact that Tai Chi is in the lead with six points. Shut up! And loving Sir Ian Dangerous' reaction to that. My name Uh, is Nick Howell. And no Raw is ever truly good. No Raw is ever truly evil. Although I'm starting to question that last one after the after last night's raw, but I am Surrey and Dangerous, and yes, and welcome to the Busted Wide Open podcast and and live show on Twitch. All the rest that we're doing right now, welcome to the show, everybody. Thank you for joining us, and we are here today to talk about Monday Night Raw, and there is much to discuss. It was the Raw coming off of Clash of Champions. It was the follow up Raw to that. Did it live up to the pay per view the night before, or was it a sad rehash? And a a circling the airport, if you will, of storylines. We'll have to talk about that. And we have to discuss the G1. We've got four more days of G1 to discuss over in New Japan and all the things that are happening over there. As Nick says, I think everyone's bracket has been thoroughly busted by this point. There is not a single bracket that remains clean and untarnished because things are going insane over there. We have to talk about that as well. But that's a lot of show just right there, Nick. A lot of things to talk about. So let's... Let's buckle down. Let's do a little bit of housekeeping. I'm going to try and dislodge the squeaky toy from Dog Ziggler's mouth over here, and then we'll do the show. Good luck with that. Uh, guys, make sure you're in the Discord. Shout out to everybody who was in the, in there for Clash of Champions on Sunday. Really, really good time. And, and for those of you that showed up after for the after party right here on Twitch, thank you guys very much. You can find a link to it on Twitch right here in the panels at the bottom of the channel or uh, pinned across our social media profiles. But we do live chats all throughout the week. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at BWO Podcast. Uh, come over to Facebook, search for Busted Wide Open, like our page, and send us a join request to get into the discussion group for fun news, memes, all kinds of good stuff uh, over there. Uh, subscribe to us over at YouTube.com slash Busted Wide Open. And last but not least, our patrons, thank you guys so much for all of your support every single month. Uh, along with subs and bits here on Twitch, it is the best way to support the show, and you get the most value over there as well because you get show notes, the ability to play in the Patron Pick'ems Challenge. Uh, Starting October 1st, you're going to continue to get the ability for audio-only versions of the show. Uh, And at the $10 tier, you can get uh, bonus episodes, an entire two-plus year back catalog of bonus episodes and more every single month. It is the value tier. It's where we think the best value is for everything. Skype calls, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash bwo. 
Whew. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, last couple little orders of business. If you were waiting till the end of the month to get your sub in here on Twitch, do it now because it's the end of September uh, where you can get up to 30% off on those subs and they do carry forward. So be sure to take advantage of that if you'd like to support your boys or any other creators here on Twitch, uh, professional wrestlers that do have streams, uh, make sure that you get them in before the end of September because you're going to get massive discounts uh, by doing so. Just wanted to throw a little reminder out there for you guys. But Ian, that's a lot of stuff we got to go talk about over in the wrestling world, but let's start like we always do with Monday Night Raw. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out. Out, brief candle. Raw is but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his three hours upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. Once again, Nick, Raw was abysmal. It was awful. What is going on with this? Why? What, multiple times in a row they had all these storylines that supposedly ended on Clash of Champions, and yet, and yet, we're going right back into them. Drew McIntyre out at the top with all the legends that came in to, to, uh, to, to, to figure out their issues with Randy Orton last night at Clash of Champions. <laughs> the ghosts of champions uh, past. The ghosts of legends past yeah. who, who came to, to get their pound of flesh from Randall Ke- Kennedy Keith Callenback Orton on Sunday and uh, they all showed up at the top of Raw to kind of get in the ring and they all had inter- their entrances and they all kind of joked around like, aren't we great we, uh, we got that Randy Orton didn't we we got him <laughs> and then Drew McIntyre came out with the championship belt to stand in there with all of them and joke around about how Ric Flair is a drunk and how Big Show is big and how Shawn Michaels likes to super kick people and may have retired Ric Flair and didn't say anything about Christian because Christian is boring and then that was the whole opening segment was ha aren't we great we beat Randy Orton <laughs> <laughs> but then Randy showed up on the Titantron and said, you know, well, I'm done when I say I'm done, and I can get another championship match anytime I want because I'm Randy Orton. By the way, I'm going to take my bag and go. And he is seen leaving the arena. Uh, what compelling TV, Nick. What incredibly compelling TV. That wasn't all, though. Drew McIntyre did announce that he was going to have an open challenge to anyone who had not faced him before on Monday Night Raw. Uh, which we'll talk about in a second, but I want to talk about the end of the whole Legends thing because those four dudes were all seen playing cards in the back. Now, you knew that Rick wasn't going to end well. Well, of course, Ric Flair won. Well, where's but, you APA? Know, they, you just come off got, Clash. You've got JBL there already in the building cleared for the pre-show on Clash. Well, the, you yes, couldn't right. have him in there with with uh, uh, with APA playing cards, drink, smoking cigars? Oh. I miss the days of them drinking beers and smoking cigars in APA, but it was all right. It's sweet. Big show, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, and Christian back in the black playing cards. On paper, that's a nice little nostalgic yeah. moment for 2007. It's okay, like the dogs cool. playing poker kind of thing that you put up on the wall, you know? It's like the dogs playing poker. Yeah, yeah Ric Flair has got like a, a card on the table in his hind leg, you know? Uh, but it's... Okay, so that's cute. We see that throughout the rest of the show. And then we also see this random janitor throughout the show. At one point, the Hurt Business throws a, a bottle of water at him and tells him to clean it up, and he goes and cleans it up. We find out at the end of the show that janitor is really Randy Orton, who has snuck back into the building. Oh, Randy, you scamp. And then he sneaks over to the Legends Lounge door 
puts on some night vision goggles, goes in there like uh, Sam from from what was that one video game? Uh, Splinter Cell. The Clancy game, yeah. Yeah, and he goes in there, pulls on the the, the glasses, p- turns out the light, and we hear whack whack whack. He brings in the chair with him. Whack, 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 whack. The lights come back on, and all the legends are lying on the floor going, Oh, my spleen! My hip! And then, and then Randy Orton walks away and escapes out of the building and you know, point, you know, pretends to be the janitor again. And ooh. Uh, mastermind, Randy Orton, getting his, his pound of flesh back again after last night. So the feud, I believe, with Randy Orton and Drew is going to continue. Randy, in one of his speeches, did say, Drew, I'm willing to put you through hell. So we have our first indication, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, waka, waka, we're going to have a Hell in the Cell match between Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. Yeah. So, Nick, is this dragging this on too long, or is Drew and Randy still a compelling enough feud that we want to see more of this? I think it's a compelling enough feud that I want to see more of it. I feel like they couldn't keep it in their pants long enough to pull wheel the legends back out and do that whole routine. Um, I do also have a theory I want to call back to you. You were saying at the very top that you you weren't really sure what the hell was going on with Raw. I have a theory, if if I may posit such to you uh, at this time. Posit away. Vince has Roman back. And much like we've talked about here on the show, Vince cares about his top guys. And I think right now, with as well as that is going, he's got one thing on on his brain, and that's Roman Reigns. And he probably it's it's also rumored they walked in and tore up the show and wrote it again in the afternoon on Monday yesterday. So I in my head I'm going, does he just care about Roman now now that he's got him back? Because if you call if call back a month or two ago, it was the other way around. Raw was doing really good. May I posit on your positing? Please do. And then I need we've to catch got up. a we got a draft coming up yeah. a week from Friday. Yeah. They're going to shuffle the whole deck. We already saw some shuffling going on on the show because they can't keep it in their pants <laughs> and they can't wait, so they have to already start drafting people to Raw, even though they're not using them at all yet, really, in any kind of meaningful way that couldn't have been used by somebody else, but yet we have to have them on the show. We'll talk about that. They drafted a couple of SmackDown stars and just had them in a random match. Um, so, th- yeah, that was bizarre. But... Uh, <sighs> That for the fact that we're having this draft makes me think that a lot of these feuds they're not really trying to do anything with. We're trying to have Oscar uh, do nothing right now and, and kind of just work Selena Vega, which is why we had a rematch, which we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, it's why they've got Keith Lee not doing anything, which we'll talk about in a little bit. It's why there's a lot of stuff they're not really doing right now. Um, that and injuries, I think, is, are both not helping. But um, yeah, that's. I, that's my theory, is yeah. that they're not really trying to make any hard stances on too many feuds except for we're going to keep running Randy and Drew because that's, you know, Vince likes that. We've got a couple of, you know, Drew, who's a great champ, Randy, who's a great heel right now, um, and that could appeal to anyone who just turns on the show if they're not watching for a couple of years. Oh, yeah, Drew McIntyre, remember him? Wow, he looks great. Randy Orton, whoa, he's even more evil than I remember him being, and he's great too. I love Randy Orton. Boom, they're back invested again. But unfortunately, underneath that, you know, the, the whole aspect of, that, of him getting revenge on the legends on paper is not a bad idea. Just an execution, it was just kind of meh. You know, it, yeah. it, didn't, it didn't feel as impactful as I think they wanted it to be. But are we back to the days sense. of what do you got for rock, what do you got for Stone Cold, where that's really we, the only thing that's getting any attention? Did we ever leave those days? Hmm. I, there was glimmers of hope that I can remember. Well, we had other people running the shows who were, yeah. I think, more invested in uh, getting more people over and trying to make new stars. That's and true. now I feel like, 
they're they're not doing that anymore. They're not trying so to much. rely on their existing stars. <laughs> yeah. Let me get caught up real quick. So we did have a hype train in there, and they tr- they tried, oh! but we did not get it that time. Thank you very much, Jesse O'Connor. Gave five hundred bits. Says because I thought Raw was really good last night. Well, all right, and and okay. awesome, awesome. Uh, Costanza cheered 100 bits, said glorious. Uh, let's thank you, uh, Costanza. That other kid, you know, Jacobs gave 100 bits. He said, in shirt, does not thuck eggs. No, it did not thuck eggs. It does not thuck eggs. Uh, sucking dog. Costanza with another 100 bits says, oh, Randy Keith Orton. Mm. <laughs> thank you, Costanza. Yep. And Jesse with another, what was it, 100 bits said, Orton's legends came back to kill him. Yeah, I yep. think it's it's going to be interesting to see if they continue to try and do something like that cause, because he sort of did get the last laugh with the whole night vision, you know, skit. Are they going to come back you know, to haunt him again? Right. Like, what? <laughs> what's? How do you have a climax if you keep having climaxes? How right. do you? How do you? What's going to be the final thing? You know, is it an ambulance match? Like you send the guy off on an ambulance? No, no, no. We got to go bigger. We're going to go hell in a cell. Okay. Um, then we're going to go bigger and we're going to have an ambulance on top of Hell in a Cell. Well, that would be a way to go bigger than Hell in a Cell. Yes, Nick. That's very true. Yeah. And whoever um, drives the ambulance off the top of Hell in a Cell through the announce table with the person in them wins the match. How about that? I think that would be probably one of the better ways to go. We could just... Let's get nuts. You want to get nuts, Vince? Let's, let's get absolutely nuts. Let's just put an ambulance... I'm sorry. Excuse me. A local medical facility wagon on top of the Hell in a Cell cage... And whoever puts their opponent in it and drives it off the top of the cage through the announce table wins the match. I would watch that. I would. T- I would I'd watch, watch the shit out of that. I would watch Randy Orton get driven <laughs> off the that Braun Strowman picks it up off the top and just throws it on the right. table. That would be great. Yeah. All right. So we're getting a little bit long in the tooth through this. We got to talk about the other part, which which was that Drew McIntyre's open challenge. We initially thought it was Dolph Ziggler, of course, but he said no one who has challenged me before, so that couldn't have been Dolph Ziggler. So who could it be? And then the music hits, the piano, the lights, the smoke. Glorious Bobby Roode has returned. Nick, were you whelmed or underwhelmed by Bobby Roode being Drew's open challenge uh, opponent? Skeptically optimistic when he first came out. And I thought there would be some kind of schmoz finish of sorts where we got a some kind of sneaky, either no no finish or... Maybe he snuck out a win, but since it was an open challenge for the title, there's no way that was happening. And I feel like if you're going to bring somebody that big back that had a very long NXT championship reign and a very good one at that, who hasn't really done much since he's come up to the main roster, and you've had this time to, to have him out and, and repackage him and all of this, the first thing you're going to come do is chump him out to the champ. And I just, I'm, I'm well, so underwhelmed. There's two minds to that, though. You're having a match with the champ. That alone is a good sign. And he didn't chump out. He had a full match and looked like he had him beaten a couple of occasions. You know, Drew still stayed strong and, 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 and beat him straight up with the Claymore. But Bobby didn't look like nothing. It was, but it was on a, it was a definitely like a Dolph Ziggler level. Yeah. Let's put it that way, right? He didn't look like a world ender like Bobby Lashley, but he looked like a dude who could go in there and through squirrely means maybe get the job done, but he, he didn't. Yeah. But the question is, what do, they, what do they do with him now? Okay, so he can't beat the champ. He's not on the champ's level. So now, so now we know what Bobby Roode's level is, the same thing it's always been, which is basically like a kind of a Dolph Ziggler level. Uh, but what do they do with him now? Ziggler's there. I mean, we got the. It's it's actually hard to say now because they have the draft coming up. What do they do with him now? Because 
who knows? Like he can go to another brand. Put him and Ziggler back in a tag team, and they because they <laughs> desperately need some of those. <laughs> Nick is so desperate to have tag teams, he's actually advocating using two single stars as a tag team. This is how bad it's got, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. I missed when a Nick couple. Is- let me uh, let me finish catching up real quick. Yes, please. Uh, Will James with uh, hundred bits. Thank you very much, sir. Said I liked Raw. Thank I feel you. like uh, I feel it would be the entertaining type for a lapsed or new viewer. But I understand the gripe for the this endless raw, cycle yeah. we might be stuck in on some of these feuds. Yes, I agree with that completely. And I, I'm wondering, I think I even said this a couple of weeks ago, that for the filthy casuals that show up on a random <laughs> Monday night and they're flipping through between commercials of Monday night football and they, they're watching, oh, some, there's some big dudes in there fighting. That looks cool. Maybe they come back next week. And maybe that's what they're trying to cater to to get the ratings back up to where they used to be, up in the 1.8 to 2. Ratings were up huge last night, so it might be something. Even with Monday Night Football. Uh, Kansas City versus Baltimore, by the way. Which was a great game, too. But the the thing is, is that, yeah, I can see why they would want to goose the ratings with this. And I I can see also how for someone coming, like, like casually coming through and checking it out, there was good stuff here. That being said, there's also a lot of stuff that could have been better. And I was, on paper, is good, but the execution of it, the way that they actually played it out, was just it just wasn't worthy of the material yeah. if that makes sense yeah. having all those legends in a ring and then having drew just kind of like chortling around with them uh on one hand it was kind of cute on the other hand it it was a little cringy yeah uh so yeah it just didn't seem like it was that well structured couple more and there's real, other couple more real quick will james with another hundred bits said i wish for randy to light the room on fire that would have <laughs> been a bit much the legends room yeah just like tosses gasoline in and throws in a, and then just poses outside <laughs> <laughs> like Bray's house. Right. Oh, oh, you're God. right. Now, that's a callback I could have gotten behind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last, certainly not least, Cassandra with another 100 bits. Thank you, sir. Said this uh, has to all be building to Edge returning. Now, that I can get behind. If we go down Probably. that route, uh, yeah, I can get there. Yeah. All right. We're all caught up. Thank you, everyone, for the Rick. hype train. That was awesome. Randy sets the room on fire. Rick Rick Flair just spontaneously combusts because he's pretty much 90% alcohol at this point. Just right. <laughs> That's what hanging out with Post Malone will get you. Like a scene from Backdraft. Right. So, all right, so Robert Roode comes back. It was whelming. Uh, Randy Orton beats up the legends in a dark room. It was also whelming. Uh, But also we have to talk about Murphy and Aaliyah Mysterio. Okay. And Seth Rollins and Ray and his family and Jerry the King Lawler who had a King's Court or, you know, a little, little Jerry the King Lawler segment. Where the Mysterios were all out there, and, and King had to ask them about what was going on with Seth and Murphy because they just can't seem to escape those two. And Seth, earlier in the show, had tried to make up with Murphy but ended up stealing his phone and checking his, his messages, got into Murphy's uh, messages, and found out that Murphy's been texting with Aaliyah. And so Seth pops up in the King's Court segment to show off, hey, look. Murphy was texting Aaliyah to say he was sorry, and then Aaliyah said, it's okay, I, you know, thanks, happy birthday, by the way, and he's, oh, it was so cute. I mean, Seth should know better than to get into people's DMs. He knows what it's like to have his private stuff be stolen and spread out on the web. Not saying. Literally. Just saying. Just saying. But that being said, what's happening here is causing a bit of controversy. Later on, we had Dominic, so, so Dominic, and Aaliyah storms off, she's upset. The Mysterio family, they're all upset. Uh, later on, Dominic and Murphy have a match because Dominic finds Murphy in the back, beats the crap out of him. So they have a match later. And in the middle of the match, Aaliyah gets involved and uh, costs Dominic the match. Murphy rolls him up. 
Afterwards, Dominic calls Aaliyah uh, naive. You are, you are naive after all. She slaps him and runs away. Ah, no, I'm not. Ah. But what people are getting mad at isn't any of those aspects, which are, you know, fine. As we said, this is kind of the telenovela a- angle of Monday Night Raw and, and take it or leave it. It's, it's got its good aspects and bad aspects. We've criticized some and we've complimented others. But here we are talking about a 32-year-old man and a 19-year-old girl. And they haven't done anything explicitly romantic yet. So far, it's been made out, in my opinion, Nick, and I, I want to know what you perceive, sure. that Aaliyah is just being empathetic. She sees Buddy Murphy getting bullied by Seth, being beaten up by Seth, and you know, yet he's still kind of under Seth's shadow, if you will. Um, and there's nothing overtly sexual. There's nothing overtly like relationshipy or like love and. There's not, it's not not love interesty. It's like, could there be something there? Um, and a lot of people are being a little bit weirded out by this right now. Do you think that's a valid interpretation to take from the storyline so far? Is that's a little weird, 32-year-old man, 19-year-old girl texting each other the way that they were? No, because I don't look at age difference, I guess, because I grew up with a, uh, a dad that was a lot older than my mother. Right. Um. I've mostly dated younger myself, not 11 or 12 years, but I mean, it's that six to eight years. It's, it's but not a uncommon. Teenager, a teenager. Have you dated a teenager while being a 30 year old? I, I don't want to give the implication that a 19 year old is the same thing as a 14 year old. And I feel like that's the way people are reacting to it as if she's some, you know, illegal prepubescent sort of sure. teenager. Right. But also there's a lot of growing that happens between 19 and sure. say 21 or 22. That's a pretty big difference right there sure. as well just in terms of maturity like yeah, you're right she can vote she, buy cigarettes and, and have a gun if she wants to she can't date a 32 sure. year old man can't buy booze though can't buy booze tell, i don't know. tell me why I, that makes sense my personal personal morality i too have tended to date young in my lifetime uh <laughs> so i'm mm, i don't want to be a hypocrite here however i've i've never gone under the 21-year-old Mark, uh, you know, especially after a certain point, just because it seemed inappropriate. And again, maybe it is just personal perception. Uh, obviously, different people got different perceptions all over, but it does seem to me they can control the narrative in WWE. And the fact that it hasn't gotten overt yet, I think, is is the smart aspect of this. But they're, they're playing a dangerous game with this. Yeah. This does seem to be just on the tip of inappropriate especially given the fact that we just had the speaking out movement and especially given the fact they've got Velveteen Dream still employed and Austin Theory, who was accused as well. Uh, it's it's uh, not the best timing to be having this kind of relationship on screen if that's the way that they're going. Now, if this is just going to be more focused on Aaliyah being empathetic and just a nice person and, and possibly naive and they keep it on that level, then okay. But I can see how some people are already reacting to this. That makes sense why people are already going, whoa, 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 WWE. Turn on the fire hose. Yeah. Like this. Mm-mm. And like you said, I mean, we haven't even gotten flowers and candy yet. Like, it, right. If they show up on a random Raw and start like French kissing each other and walking, <laughs> holding hands, come talk to me then, right? It, it's all extremely p- plutonic right now. You know, it, there's no, there, I, I'm, I'm not there yet. And, and again, I don't want to. I, I feel like people are reacting as if she's underage, and I don't. I don't consider her to be underage. That's that becomes a personal preference, subjective conversation at that point. Right. Yeah. You ever had a dingo steal your baby? Hey. Eh? 
That's what we call it down there. Down uh, I still think she's going to end up joining Seth and Murphy. Uh, that's my that's the Nick booking. That and that would I think be uh, some interesting storyline is if she gets hypnotized or brought into the cult by Seth or whatever, and it doesn't go to some sort of weird romance angle, then yeah. Or Murphy turns and they become a third faction, right? You've got Seth on the one hand, Murphy and Ali on the other hand, um, but they're just friends. And then you've got uh, Dominic and, and Ray and everyone on the other hand. There's a lot of ways this could go. I'm just saying right now they're walking on eggshells. Yeah. I guess we could just, you know what, here's the thing. One thing that I was reminded of in the segment was at least she's not dating Jerry Lawler. Oh, we can I, just I literally almost okay. just vomited right there. I'm just saying. They're not out of the realm of possibility, given Jerry's history. But uh, also the, the thing here is, is this was kind of WWE bad acting 101. <laughs> and one of the things that makes the Usos and Roman storylines so engaging is how real it feels, right? Yeah. Ray and Aaliyah and Murphy, again, very heightened, very Jerry Springer, very telenovela. So I'm not exactly expecting, you know, Oscar caliber acting here. And they're definitely not doing like a horrible job, but it does detract a bit from the storyline when they're just, when they are as bad as they are. Well, until there's some substance there and some context around why they're in cahoots. And it means it kind of means nothing. Like until someone joins somebody else or goes a different direction because of a love interest, it. it but what's it's, the point? It's them out there in the king's court, and they're Elias, and they're going, "No, King, I think that Seth Rollins is a very bad man, and I, I don't think that he is good, and I don't want him to tear apart our family." And I'm just sitting there, going, "Oh God, Bravo!" Bravo! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm nitpicking. I know. I, it's again. It's wrestling. It's yeah. WWE. I'm not expecting Oscar caliber performances. But the part of the part of the problem is I'm now juxtaposing it with Roman and the Usos, and they're doing such a good job over there. Yeah. That I'm looking at everything else critically, and maybe that's maybe I just got to maybe I just got to relax. There's a lot more from last night that sucked a lot worse than this. I'll say that. <laughs> All right, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Let's talk about some of it. Let's talk about uh, Keith Lee, who came out to have a match with Andrade, who was yelling at Zelina Vega after Zelina Vega's match, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Andrade says, "You're useless. Watch how how good I am without you." And then he goes into a match with Keith Lee and gets absolutely wrecked. I mean, two steps above a, a, everything a, he threw at him. Keith just like, nope, <laughs> no. So he, Keith sold a little bit in the second half of the match, but then just power bombed him. Just spirit bomb one, two, three. <laughs> You're toast. And the commentary was putting it over too. They were like, oh yeah, both former NXT champs, but Andrade just looked like he's out of his depth. Oof, oof. Oh, I'm wondering if this is intentional and that there's some sort of redemption angle here. Once, once we move on from the draft and Oscar's gone off and Zelina comes Man. back and she goes, "Have you boys got your shit together yet?" Yeah. Okay, let's go wreck fools and we really do the thing. Maybe with Los and Gubernables. I, I, I don't know. We'll, no, we'll, I think that I think that ship has sailed. Yeah. I think that ship has sailed. And and Dog Ziggler's mad largely because Andrade is one of his favorites, and yeah. he's long uh, admired Andrade. But he also has seen enough WWE television in his short life to know that sometimes when you see these downward patterns, they don't. There's no coming back. Yeah. Like that's okay. Cool. You're toast. We're gonna have you. We're gonna take what little equity we think you still have, 
and pay it off to somebody like Keith Lee, who's on the upswing, and we're going to use that to, to give Keith that uh, momentum. And that's all this was to me was Keith not relevant in the Drew and Randy title picture anymore, as if he ever was. He was just kind of hanging out there. They don't know what else to do with him, so we'll have him just stay relevant by beating former champs. And that's all this was. It was disappointing. It was a disappointing thing to do. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fine with it for Keith. It should be somebody else that's not you know, someone that was on an upswing and has been on an upswing for, for the most of the year. Um, I, former NXT champion as well. I just I feel like the you, you have these NXT champions that come up and go nowhere. We look at the last. I mean, Oscar's about the only one that you could look at and say ha, has come up and done something in in the last couple of years. Well, speaking of NXT champions, Nick, uh, we got to talk about Kevin Owens and Aleister Black. But we do, do we need to catch up first, or can no, I? We're good. I, we're good. Oh God. Okay. Cool. I wanted a break before I jumped in this one because this was this hurt. Uh, this hurts very bad. So Kevin Owens and Aleister Black, on again, on paper, that's a great feud. I'm looking forward to those two guys fighting. They had a match tonight. And you know what? The match was good. It was, it was, they were both very high energy. They've got great chemistry. That part, awesome. Nothing, nothing sideways to say about the two of them as performers. But Nick, they got rid of Aleister Black's entrance music. Yep. They took away his entrance. They put him back in the black room. They put him, they just gave him a, a new Tron, some new music, which I'm going to be nice here and say the new music isn't bad. It's just, not, uh, his old music was amazing. Amazing. His old entrance was amazing until Vince got a hold of it and they couldn't seem to get it right on the main roster. They just couldn't pump enough, enough fog for him, even though they could fill the whole place for Finn Balor. They couldn't do it for him. They couldn't have, they, they never got his entrance right on the main roster. So I guess, you know what, on the other side of things, Nick, if they can't get it right, then just scrap it and do something else. Yeah. And they never got it right. And they still haven't gotten Alistair right. And I don't know what the hell they're thinking with him because now he's got the stupid half-blindfold. He's got a big black contact in one eye, the eye that he quote-unquote punctured. Uh, he doesn't he even have a defined character other than he's angry about his eye. And in the match, at one point, the ref starts to get in his face and he says, if you keep you know, doing X, Y, Z, I'm going to disqualify you. And Alistair says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Turns around, goes to hit Kevin Owens, elbows the ref, catches the ref, and the ref goes, that's it, you're done, and calls the match. And as Alistair complains about it, Kevin Owens gives him a stunner for good measure and leaves him down and walks away and makes fun of him. My God. Look how they massacred my boy. My boy. I, I almost don't know what to say, uh, so I'm just going to read bits. You better find something to say. That's what we're here to do. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read bits because they kind of echo what I was thinking as well. Uh, Costanza Excellent. with 100 bits said, This change for black reminds me of the Intercontinental title change. The new belt and theme is cool, but it was uh, better before. Might be mm -hmm. another CFO's casualty. I think yeah. Alistair Black's music. I, I couldn't remember whether it was it's, CFO's or Code Orange. It's, it's not. It's, it's another band entirely. Uh, because of an eye, I believe. I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, if that's I right. They just did the cover that one time when he came out as they were playing it live. Yes, Code Orange covered Code Orange. That's right. Okay. Thank you, Costanza. Also, Costanza with another 100 bits says, what the hell is this feud about, and why does Vince hate Alistair so much? I don't think he <laughs> hates Alistair. It's what Ian says all the time about Vince gets a hold of a new toy, and he has to make it his. He has to change, has to tweak one thing, so that he can put his stamp on it. For Alistair, it was the creaking coming up when he his yeah. platform stood up. And now it's just completely gone. 
The name of the band, by the way, is Incendiary. Incendiary. That's so it was not CFO Dollars. And they actually played, and I think it was just the lead singer of CFOs that sang the song. I can't remember what the combination. It was some mix-up combination of, of band uh, that they that they used there. Um, where am I at on this? There's part of me that you guys have heard me preach before, fail fast. Like if, if like you said, if you're not going to get it right, let, let's fail. Drop it. Let's scrap it. Let's move on. Let's do something different. Like and, Nightmare Collective. If it's not sure. going to work, drop it. Do something else. And and I, we've been at this for over a year with Alistair. It's it's been over a year, like eighteen months almost. Yeah, like, we heard they were going to do a reset on him about a month or two ago, and we thought it was going to be during the time that he was out with his eye, but apparently. They didn't know what they were going to do, so they just brought him back, and now they're kind of drip-feeding us the changes. Um, but it's very unfortunate. You have a guy who I think was fairly universally considered to have a near-perfect gimmick in NXT. And when brought to the main roster, it was tweaked, and then his presentation was tweaked. How he was delivering his promos, how he was being booked, was not in line with that character in that presentation. Um, even Paul Heyman never really understood him. He just had him in there as like a badass, but it was never really defined as why. Yeah. So it just, he never really got understood on the main roster. And it's one of the things that I think we called out, Nick, is Alistair could be a future WrestleMania Hall of Famer if they understand him, if they get it. I went so far roster. as to say he could be the next Undertaker. Sure, sure. Uh, and you've talked about him maybe getting more of like a supernatural aspect to his gimmick. And yeah. they could have had a lot of fun with that. Well, with Taker gone, but we need just, something like that, you know? Sure. But they just didn't They didn't get it. They didn't understand it on the main roster. And it's unfortunate because it's another, it's another case of Vince or Creative or Kevin Dunn or whoever, whoever it was, or possibly multiple people on the main roster, not understanding what made someone cool and special. And it's happened multiple times. It's and most with you know with NXT champs, you see it happen. Um, unless they're just someone like Drew McIntyre, who is a just you put him out there, he's a champion, right? Uh, Kevin Owens. This is for somehow somehow they got Kevin Owens. I don't know how. I don't know how they let Kevin Owens be what he became. John Cena made him look like did. a million bucks. I will, but then I mean his and his, Jericho for that matter. And Jericho, Jericho, I think really helped with Kevin Owens. But there was there's a lot of other people that came up from NXT, and this is something that we that gets talked about a lot ad nauseum. I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing it. But why consider NXT a developmental division if you're going to bring people to the main roster and strip away everything that you've had them develop for that entire time that they're there? What even is the point? And if, if you take away certain aspects, you tweak certain aspects, it's like having a perfectly made cake, but then saying. Ah, uh, you know what? When we make that cake here on the main roster, we're gonna take this perfect recipe and we're gonna, you know, we need more butter. Let's actually add another egg or two, and instead of the frosting, let's actually use like marzipan. And you're sitting there going, "The cake was perfect. Yeah. Why do you need to change it?" And every once in a while, sometimes it does make the cake a little bit better or or it's tolerable. But for the most time, you're gonna ruin the damn cake. Yeah. And it's 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 mind boggling to think that someone is out there who is so full of themselves, thinking that they're the best chef in the world that they're going to take someone else's recipe and mess with it when it's obviously working. Well, no, 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 no. I've got to take credit for it, so I have to change these few things. Like I said, this is ad nauseum, and I'm at the point now where I truly despair about for, for Alistair, a guy who's really talented, whose gimmick I absolutely loved, and I had not to say it past tense, and that's so sad Yeah, to say it past tense. I'm, I'm skeptically optimistic about what they're going to do with him, 
I hope it's something good for sacrificing that that brilliant of a gimmick and that brilliant of a song and that brilliant of an entrance. I mean, you better come up with something good. I I I'm I wish I could be skeptically optimistic, Nick. I wish I could. I'm just straight skeptical. Oh boy. Also, another non-finish on Raw. That was a little bit disappointing, too. Um, this feud seems a bit aimless still. Like, they're mad at each other, but Kevin Owens is kind of blowing it off, and Alistair's just kind of petulantly angry. And Kevin Owens is just destroying him on Twitter. Uh, you know, we mentioned last week how Kevin Owens made fun of his gimmick and what he's doing, and it's just kind of, it's kind of like The Rock making fun of Billy Gunn. You're, it's a character assassination. No one's going to take him seriously after this. Yeah. So that's dangerous too. Uh, also dangerous is continuing to run the same feud over and over and over again to the point that the 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 characters are even mentioning it. The Hurt Business comes to the ring and MVP mentions how Apollo Crews just won't go away. We've got to have another match with this guy. And also getting dragged into it, Mustafa Ali, finally, who was, in, who was backstage for some reason in the Hurt Business's room, locker room, that made no sense, but fine, he's now involved in the match. We have Ricochet, Apollo Crews, and Mustafa Ali versus MVP, Lashley, and Shelton Benjamin. Benjamin. And Cedric's nowhere to be seen, strangely, which, you know, given the number of people that were out this week with uh, COVID-related reasons, whether they were exposed, whether they were exposed or they had it, that might be where Cedric's at. He's in two weeks of quarantine. Uh, Hope not. But, um, but yeah, here we are back with this again, except this time having Mustafa Ali turn the tables. He got in at the end and pinned MVP for the win. Now, obviously, Nick, we've seen some iteration of Apollo Ricochet and Hurt Business for months now. Uh, Mustafa was even in it a little bit a while back. So now he's back. Is this just spinning the wheels because the draft's coming up, or are we going somewhere with this? Is Mustafa now going to get a shot at the U.S. championship? Is he going to have more legs? Is there more of a story, or is this just spending time? I think the fact that he has now penned MVP... Well, first of all, I think he's slotting in for um, someone to be there to face off whenever Cedric comes back. Again, I'll, I'll repeat, I don't like MVP in the ring. I want him in a suit ringside be doing what he does best. And I think the fact that he ate a pin from a smaller guy this week kind of shows that as well. But at the same time, I, 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 I want Shelton, Cedric, and Lashley to be the in-ring performers against Apollo, Ricochet, and Mustafa Ali. And I just, I don't know what, I feel like we were talking about treading water all night already until we get to the draft. I feel like this is more of that. Yeah. Do we form ex- do we exactly. form an additional counterfaction with Apollo Ricochet and Mustafa Ali? I don't think so. And also kind of whether ironically or just coincidentally um, uh, amusingly coincidentally Retribution, the five members of Retribution, all five of them are out for 2 weeks with quarantine, uh contact tracing and they were around somebody who had it. So they have to get now go make sure that they're not going to catch it. So they just come out last week to be ridiculed and then destroy people on Twitter. Uh, and just when they got enough momentum going on Twitter for people to actually be interested in what they're going to do, now they can't show up. There was, however, in the middle of this match, a, a moment where the lights flickered and the Retribution logos popped up and nothing came of it. But the fact that they're not going to be back until after the draft kind of also... It, it, it could be two things here, Nick. We could actually have 
that completely stall their momentum and any heat that they had left, or it could give them the ability to have a bit of a reset and really think about what we're doing with retribution, which God, they need, they need to think about. Yeah. Like, are we continuing retribution versus hurt business? Are we going to do something else with them if, if we shuffle the deck here at all? So would you think it's a good thing or a bad thing that retribution's out for two weeks? A lot of people are going to disagree. I think it's a good thing. Mm. Because it was hella confusing when they showed up last week. <laughs> um, who the hell are these people? Why are they wearing those masks? Why do they have silly names? Now, if if Retribution had done what they had done previously and then gone to Twitter and started, you know, sort of protesting the sort of Antifa style stuff that they were doing and taking it to Twitter and doing Terry and and Dijak or T Bar was tearing people down like this, and then they showed up. Maybe they got a challenge or something online and they showed up because of that put the contract away we don't need that all of that this could have worked out well i'm still holding out hope that we've got something here with retribution i like it i want to love it i'm not gonna lie because we we just absolutely buried them last week and i'm i'm not gonna lie the twitter game has brought me back yeah it has made me interested because now i'm curious how much of that attitude that kind of not taking oneself entirely serious how much of the logic that they were bringing to Twitter is going to then show up on TV? Are they in touch with the writers who are doing this? Are they able to get those ideas into Vince's ear and have him go with it? Like, now I'm interested. I'm actually curious. And, you know, T-Bar even made the point, we've had more ridiculous names in the past in wrestling. Like, yeah, yeah they're really, really ridiculous names. But in the pantheon of wrestling names, they're right about the middle. If you just really take a step back. Like, they might be able to get these damn names over. They even went in on Bischoff, throwing it back to him <laughs> tanking the WCW in the 90s. WCW. Yeah, they've had an answer for everybody. So uh, maybe it's a good, good for, the, for them to have two weeks off and then really kind of really, really like hone in what this is going to be. They're under contract uh, now, so that means they're eligible for the draft. They could split them up. They could send them together. Yeah. Somehow Who I knows? feel like it's not going to split them up, but somehow I feel like they're going to uh, keep them with the hurt business. Like they've got plans there, and they're going to keep those going. But what they're actually going to do with it, I'm, I, I hope they they think about pretty hard. Yeah. But someone else who's spinning their wheels, Oscar. Um, we were promised two years ago, Nick, no more rematches after pay per views, and yet, Oscar and Zelina Vega again the night after a pay per view. Not only that, but it was virtually the same match. Yeah. Zelina goes for Asuka's arm, ends up screwing up, taps out in the Asuka lock. It was the same match. Slightly different, you know, flow through in the actual match itself, but pretty much the same damn match. Yeah. What, what kind of lazy crap was this? Or, counterpoint, was that, did they just kind of have to do this? Because, again, we've got one more Raw till the draft. Asuka, we can't start it with a new feud with anybody just yet because everything might get shuffled up. We got to just keep her doing something here. Could they have just not had an Oscar match? Could Zelina have just faced somebody else as a way to keep her relevant? Maybe even get a win back? Like, did they need to do this? Or was this acceptable? Did they need to do it? No. Was it necessary to do it all? No. It really had no point. I mean, even sometimes they do this just to get the next feud started or get other people out there. Or the only thing I can tie to this is Andrade coming out and tearing Zelina Vega down. And then that somehow leading to her going back and saying, you know what, you, you're terrible, you were better with me, and I, I'm better with you, so let's get back together as a unit kind of thing. 
The only other logic I could see in this is possibly getting Zelina more ring time with someone as good as Asuka. Sure. Right? Because she's still, I mean, she's good. She's got, she definitely impressed us on Sunday, and she was fine last night. But I kept noticing just how much slower she is in Asuka, how much, how, how much she kind of still has her mind working when she's locking on moves or trying to do transitions. Like, there's just that split second of difference between how fast and crisp Asuka is and how Zelina's just not quite there on that pace. Yeah, it's like when you're out of sync and it's, it's just hard to watch. Yeah. I mean, she's, again, she is fine. She's just not Asuka. But then again, very few are. Yeah. So who's going to be next for Asuka? They've pretty much they, they, they had Mickey James come in for a cup of coffee and then leave. Uh, who knows Shana. if she's still around? I don't know how they're going to... I mean, the draft's coming up. Could they, could they drop the women's tag titles to, some, to Riot well, the women's, Squad the or women's something? The women's tag and, titles, I guess, yeah, because right now they're both on Raw, technically, and you could draft them to SmackDown, but it wouldn't be relevant until they split up the tag team. Or until they lose the titles, rather. Well, they, they've split up tag teams before during a draft where they only take one member of the tag team. So in my head, what I'm thinking is you could have them drop the titles to the to the Riot Squad. But but no, because, but because the women's tag titles are cross-brand, you could draft Shayna to SmackDown, oh, have you. Nia be on Raw, and they could still be a tag have team. Have both on but, both, frankly. Right, but once they lost the titles, they'd have to split the tag team and go to each individual brand. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, theoretically, they could do that. Uh, Costanza threw 100 bits in. He says, this is for Sir Ian's speech. Well, thank you. Was that thank uh, you very much about Alistair? Alistair, I, I went yeah, off. yeah. I went off. Thank you, Costanza. And he threw another hundred bits. <laughs> he says they could have been the Shockmaster, referring to Retribution. <sighs> yeah, they're not that bad. Thank God, <laughs> they're not that bad. Thank you, Costanza. Uh, all right, so where are we going from here? Shane and I, uh, we were just talking about. Yeah, who's next for Oscar? I mean, they brought Mandy over, but you know what? Let's talk about Mandy because we thought Mandy was coming over to Raw to be the next challenger for Asuka. But now it looks Oops. like she's going to be in a tag team because they didn't just bring Mandy. They also brought Dana Brooke over from SmackDown unannounced. And then they had a tag match because, because Shayna and Nia are out and Riot Squad was not able to, def to, to face them on Sunday. They weren't able to defend against Riot Squad. For some reason, Lana and Natalia think that they are due the tag titles and they should be stripped off of Shayna and Nia. And Adam Pierce comes out at the top of the ramp to say, we don't just strip people of their titles, which I fell off the couch laughing when he said that with a straight face. I fell off my couch. That was amazing. Mm. Uh, but they're not going to strip them because they're only out for two weeks, not months. Right. So, okay. But Lana Natalia, instead of getting uh, the Riot Squad or somebody else, no, 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 they get Mandy and Dana Brooke, who make short work of them and almost kill Lana in the process. They did um, drop her right on her head. It was more of a face plant, but it, it did not look comfy. Mandy gave her uh, a little suplex action, a little gut wrench, and it uh, a little nasty, a little yeah. nasty. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, okay, so Mandy and Dana, is this a tag team? Or did they bring them both over to be singles wrestlers? Why did they bring them over now when you have a draft in a week? They're going to be the blonde bombshells. You just got, you did a spent, you spent six months getting Mandy out of a tag team and you're going to put her right back in one. And you took huh? her away from one of the hottest things of 2020, which was the love story around her and Otis. Otis. Yeah. Well, and with, as far as that goes, though, I kind of understand how they wanted an elegant way out. You know what I mean? You could have done a whole dramatic thing about them breaking up. Then maybe gotten some TV out of it. 
there's a lot more stuff, like fun stuff you could have gotten out of it, but at some, some point it would have gotten stale. Maybe it already started to, it, maybe it already had kind of started to get stale. And this was an elegant way to get out of it. It's just have her change brands and in six months, no one's going to remember they were dating. Yeah. So maybe that is the idea. Maybe. Or maybe, or maybe they bring heavy machinery to Raw. We'll see. And they, just, they pick it back up. I that would love way. to re- reinvigorate that. You know, have the street profits and the and heavy machinery for the tag championships. I'm I'm there. I'm mad at that either. No. But but this is a bizarre move to to have Mandy come to Raw a week and a half before the draft, two weeks before the Raw draft, and and and. You've got so it's that close to doing it, and you're not going to immediately put her into a feud with Oscar. Why are you bringing her over? You've know. got that. You've got Riot Squad and Lana and Natalia. You could have run a program until the draft. Why did you need Mandy and Dana? I'm so I am so confused no, by this. I've, there's zero explanation for this that I can even think of. This is like on the level of telling Xavier Woods he's going to be on Talking Smack, but then not telling him and just announcing it. They're like, hey, Xavier Woods, you're on Talking Smack. He's like, I found out when they announced it. I, pff, I didn't make any plans for that. I had no idea. It's, it's, one, it's the right hand not knowing what the left hand is doing. It's a billion-dollar company. And I've heard people say, I've heard Xavier Woods actually said about that. He's like, oh, it's a billion-dollar company. Sometimes that, that happens. No, it doesn't. It, what? No. That kind, that kind, that's insane. Jacob. If that kind of crap happened in Major League Baseball or NFL, right. there'd be a huge scandal. Right. Jacob threw 100 bits in. He says, this was the future draft considerations they talked about last year. Are you talking about <laughs> Mandy? I thought that was um, Alexa Bliss and then getting traded for... Oh, Robert Roode was the one they... they the other right. one they got for Alexa Bliss. But, you know, he the only reason that, that he hasn't been on TV is because, you know, COVID and he was in Canada. So they could have been using him on Raw this whole time. But it's still... Yeah, this is this was bizarre. It was a bizarre move. It was it was a bizarre match. Uh, it was crap. <laughs> let's let's call it what it is. It's it's crap. Well, let's talk about stuff that you liked. Our truth. Oh. He and little Jimmy were playing some chess. I did not like this. And up up comes a, what of all the all the stuff, and this is the one you didn't like. <laughs> up comes a ninja to hand our truth a, a scroll that or a box a present. Inside, it says uh, it's got two notes, one in Japanese. He can't read it, but it's got a Akira Tozawa's picture on it. On the other one, it says, hey, R-Truth, I was eaten by a shark, so enjoy your 24-7 championship. <laughs> Love Akira Tozawa. And he goes, oh, man, I'm so sorry, Akira. You really are a good dude. Uh, meanwhile, Akira sneaks out from underneath a table behind him and goes to pin him, pins him, gets the championship. He's 24-7 champion. All of a sudden, the ninja unmasks. It's Drew Gulak. He pins Akira Tozawa. He's now the 24-7 champion. But then R-Truth hits uh, Drew Gulak. He rolls him up. 24-7 championship goes back to R-Truth. And later on, we have a triple threat. <laughs> why is the, Which R- why is R- the shark not the 24-7 champion? <laughs> is that what you're mad about? That's what I'm mad about. Because R- Akira Tozawa wasn't the champion when the, when the shark pinned him. Oh, that's a good point. I would, okay. I would have loved to have seen. Feel better now? I, I would have loved to have seen the shark with the belt around its fin, as it swam away, and the shark is the and have our truth have to go out on a ship, like Jaws style, with, with Richard Dreyfus and you know have to go out and track down the shark. See, this is the thing. You should be writing for the twenty four seven championship. I should, like. absolutely. Yeah. I'd be, Can you I'd be perfect for it. 
R-Truth, Drew Gulak, and I don't know, Riddick Moss or somebody else who's who's trying to get the 24-7 championship in the recent week. And they're all like, they're out there on the boat like Dreyfus and Shaw. You've got you got uh, Drew Gulak telling the story like like Robert Shaw is like, you ever looked into a shark's eyes? The black, like a doll's eyes, dead inside. Yes. I'd be, I'd be down for that. Yes. I would watch that. And all they want to do is get the 24-7 title back from the shark. The question, the question is just who plays the Roy Scheider character? Uh, mm. R-Truth would definitely be Dreyfus. <laughs> he has to be Dreyfus because Dreyfus is kind of the doofus in that movie. Yeah. And R-Truth, you know, R-Truth. Yeah. So that could be a lot of fun. But that's not what they did. We had a match instead. And uh, R-Truth AA'd Gulak onto Tozawa, pinned them both. He's still the 24-7 champion in the match. And then he runs off afterwards. And that was that. Filling time. Uh, one more thing. We had Bianca Belair two weeks in a row. She's had a little video package put together. This this week, she beat everyone in a race. First, she beats three people straight up. Then one person quits. She beats two people after giving them a head start. One quits. And then the third one, she's like, I'll set up the... I'll I'll, I'll do the race, but I'm going to have hurdles. And she beats the guy while doing hurdles. And then he walks off disgusted. She's like, that's right, because I'm the EST of WWE. So this looking... What do you think? Is she coming in back in as a face or a heel? What are we leading to? The very, be very like for this kind of stuff. I love it. You think? Yeah. Is she the next uh, person to face Oscar? Because think with so. this, like, you got to have her win, right? Yeah. Is, is that just me? No, she'd have to. She'd have to take her down. Right. You build her up this much. I'm liking it. I'm loving these 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 bits. They make her look like a million bucks, yeah. and it it slots right in with what makes her good. Yeah, that's a good. Is point. how damn athletic that woman is. She's crazy athletic. So, Good stuff. One last question about Raw, Nick. Where was Raw Underground? <laughs> oh, Raw Underground. And, and it's, we hardly it's we... funny because I was starting to come around on it. I was starting to, okay, no. at the th- top of the third, you know, 10 minutes to 10, you're getting to that, all right. I hate Shane McMahon, and I'll listen to him talk for five minutes. Let's see some big dudes beat the shit out of each other. Nope. We're, we're, we're done with that, too. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what, what the future holds for Raw Underground? Or if having Braun Strowman kill their their big guy, their Dabakato, their Goro, if that was it. I'm like, oh, see it? We're done. <laughs> Nobody else. Pour one out for Raw Underground. Pour one out for Raw Underground. <laughs> But that was raw, Nick. Um, I will say this, and, and and this is all speaking to everyone in the chat who's who's saying that they enjoyed it. It wasn't as bad as last week's raw. That's true. There was a there was a lot like last week's raw was was bad. <sighs> this week's raw was not good. It was palatable. But it was yes, exactly, and that's and that's that's coming from us, a couple <laughs> of jaded, you know, sons of bitches. But I I totally agree with everyone in chat. I can see how. If you just kind of waltzed into Raw and saw it and hadn't been watching every Raw the last like six months, you could you could watch this and be like, "All right, that was cool. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine." Yeah. But the problem, I think, the thing that's really hamstringing it, and that's this is what I'm going to rest my case on. The thing that's really hamstringing it right now is they are going week to week because they don't know what happens after the draft, and most of Vince's attention is being spent on SmackDown right now, and so Raw is just kind of limping along. With no real direction. That's what and I hopefully, think, too. It, it's all just treading water as, as, mm-hmm. as much as we need to until we get to that. And, you know, the final quarter of the year, we're going to have Hell in a Cell. We're going to have Survivor Series. We're going to have TLC. And then we're heading to Royal Rumble. 
and shit just winds way back up then when you get to Survivor Series until all the way through April. It's always crazy when they don't when they had the draft in fall and not spring. Like you should have the draft right after WrestleMania, in my opinion, just because WrestleMania is kind of your season finale of the year. Yeah. Then you can have a nice reset and everything gets shuffled, and you can start your feuds for the next rest of the year. The summer months are usually slower anyway, so it would actually invigorate those, and and you could you do some experimentation with who can face who. If you do it in the fall, as you said, you're doing like we're now getting a pay-per-view, and then it's Survivor Series. And we're supposed to believe that people are, are loyal to their brand when they've only been on the brand for two months. It works the same way you describe if we can get it done in late August, early September, right after SummerSlam, because a lot of the stuff you're building to SummerSlam is your fallout from WrestleMania. So you can get to the end of sure. SummerSlam, have it then, and then you're off to the races all the way to, yeah, to WrestleMania again. But for now the next it's fallout months. from SummerSlam. Now man. we're into it's, it's October, always... and it's just yeah. weird. And like <laughs> we got, we're looking at, we got, God, we got like three pay per views this month. How the hell is anything going to make right. sense? Uh, yeah. yeah. I I wanted to like this raw more than I did, but Same. unfortunately, I felt like once again I was taken down to Uncle Vince's puzzle t- special dungeon. Jay Wolf Especially threw in 100 bits, and he said the speculation is that since Raw Underground uses NXT members, the uh, quarantine made it impossible. Good point. It's a good point. Well said, Jay Wolf. Yeah. yeah. No, that's 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 actually uh, that sounds very very logical, yeah. considering how many people on NXT, like the whole NXT uh, breakout and all the contact tracing, people who might be, have been exposed, not necessarily virulent. Naked puzzle dungeon. That's what I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Touchy's naked puzzle dungeon. Ugh. Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. We got Raw out of the way. Uh, We're going to go lighten things up and get really excited now because we're going to head over and talk about New Japan G1 Climax 30. That was a Patton Oswalt reference for anyone who's wondering. I love Patton Oswalt. But I also love the G1. I love New Japan. And we've had four more nights. Four. Full disclosure, I've only seen the night three uh, on the note here, but I'm willing to eat some spoilers because I've got got a lot of catching up to do. We're going to go night by night, so when we get to the nights you haven't heard, if you don't want to know what happened, duck on out, duck on out, come back in, start playing the Flintstones song, whatever you got to do, because we are going to talk about all these nights because there was some damn good wrestling. Some damn good wrestling over there. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, my brackets are busted. I'm screwed. The, the, well, I mean, we were picking of... Shingo and, and Sonata to win this whole <laughs> yep. thing, right? And they're both 0-3. Oh, no, Shingo's 1-2. and 2. But still, dear God, there's plenty. Now, that being said, it's the G1. There's plenty of time for them to come back. This is what Gato does. He messes with you and yeah. makes you think there's no way someone's going to win. And then they have a roaring comeback. And it's insane, especially in a G1 where Kazuchika Okada is one and two. <laughs> I'm willing to get and I'm willing to like hang back and be like, okay, let's see what's let's see what's coming here. But night three of the G1, we had Jeff Cobb and Shingo Takagi. Uh, that was a, they didn't give him a ton of time, which is unfortunate. But it was a it was a nice little match, as you would expect from those two. We also had Kazuchika Okada and Yujiro Takahashi, which has so far been the worst match of the G1. Yeah, it was not. It good. was just. It wasn't even that it was a bad match. It was like watching was molasses pour out of a jar. It, it was, was boring. Ugh. No. Like, yeah. I can't it, get into good. the Cobra Clutch either. Okada's in a weird place right now where he's, I think his character is even that he just doesn't care, so he's not even trying. So if you have him not trying against a guy who is mediocre on his best day, uh, mediocre to 
eh, watchable on his best day. And then he comes out with, with, with Peter, which makes everything better, right. but he's not right now, so it's making everything worse. You're going to get a match like this. It's just, yeah, it's just not, it's not working. Have Yujiro eat pins from people, have him be on the first two matches of the card, and that's it. But when you put him in there, when even Okada can't give you a good match, you know there's a problem. Luckily, we follow this up with Taichi and Minoru Suzuki, which I hate to say it, Nick, was actually a really goddamn good match. Damn good match. Really One good match. One of my favorites of the tournament so far. I mean, we're I only in night three, obviously, too. but I mean, it's 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 one of the best ones we've had. Easily it's, top it's five matches. Really good, and yeah. it's interesting because it is within Suzuki Gun. It's in in faction, and Taichi beat the leader of the faction. He beats Minoru Suzuki here, which wow, that's I mean, and they kept scuffling. There was su- bad blood the whole time, and even after the match, Suzuki was just all beside himself. Yeah. Th- oh, this you, was well, a- you know why he's pissed. Oh. But I mean, this was, I, I thought I was surprised by Jeff Cobb beating Shingo Takagi. That one shocked me. Not shocked by Okada beating Takahashi. But I was shocked, shocked that Taichi beat Minoru Suzuki for a number of reasons. Storyline and character and everything. Yeah. Shocked. Uh, then we had Will Ospreay and Tomohiro Ishii. One of, the, one of the matches I was looking forward to the most in this whole tournament. And I was not disappointed, Nick. Nope. Not disappointed. Really Osprey still, even with all the extra meat on his bones, is able to go out there and do all his normal moves, flips, flops, and flies, pip-pip Cheerios and standing moonsaults and all the rest. He can still do it, and he can get in there with a guy like Ishii and look like he can beat him up. And that's what he did. He beat up Ishii. Now, there's a lot more acrobatic stuff than we normally see from an Ishii match, but at the end, Osprey just, he straight put him down. This was chops and headbutts and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. This was, this was probably one of the most brutal Osprey matches I've seen. Yeah. He got in there and, and tussled with Tomohiro Ishii. And Ishii's my boy. I like him going out there and whooping dudes up. So when, it's, when someone like Osprey, who's known for being a bit more of a flyer, a little bit more fragile, can get in there and really exchange with Ishii, it's exciting. Yeah. So this is another one that was really awesome. And then the main event was Jay White and Kota Ibushi. It was about 5 a.m. at this point, East time, Eastern time. And this was another great match. In fact, I'd say night three, except for, ironically, it had the worst match of the tournament, but then it had four matches that were all solid as hell, and some, I think, were the, some of the best of the tournament so far. It's a really great night to just watch all the way through. You can fast-forward through Okada and Takahashi, but, yeah, White and Ibushi was great, and then you have a whole different kind of match there because you've got Gato getting in, involved all over the place, Can Ibushi work around that. Jay White is such an asshole. Such a great heel. Um, And he worked that way perfectly. They have such great chemistry and the history between these two. Not only the G1 finals of last year, but the the match at Wrestle Kingdom this year. So there's a nice history between the two as well. Having Jay White beat Ibushi. Now they're they're just, now Ibushi's up 2-1 on Jay White. It was an appropriate I think time to give Jay White the win over Ibushi and then have Jay White berate the crowd afterwards. Right. So... Good stuff all really, around. Really, really good. Moving on to night four, you had Goto defeating Sonata. Didn't which see that the coming. Crap out of me. Uh, Toru Yano beat Hiroshi Tanahashi. I have to the say, last... I, I did see that coming. I, I yeah, I kind of did too. Toru, these are the matches I always expect Toru to win. The ones you don't expect him to win. Like if you don't expect him to win it, he's probably going to win it. But uh, Toru picked this one up. He's now beaten Tanahashi and Okada in the last month. I want to throw that out there. Like anyone who doesn't believe in Toriano or doesn't get the gimmick, the and dude, Sonata too wasn't at his first first contest. He so he's beaten yeah. Sonata, Okada, and uh, Tanahashi now. Yes, 
not on the G1, but over the course of the last month. The dude has beat big people with just some tape and some skullduggery and a couple of cock knocks. Like, unbelievable. And that's why I love him. He's, he's, he's the guy that will just screw up your brackets. By the way, if you've missed the English commentary because you're watching live, Kevin Kelly and Rocky Romero bouncing off of whatever Kevin thinks that Yano has something in his trunks and it's not is just his like muffin top his his <laughs> it's just <Yeah>. his body <laughs> Rocky shaming him for <laughs> for thinking that yeah, that dynamic uh, between the two of them is is fantastic uh even on the English taped commentary it's coming through really clear it sounds still has a vibe of it being live obviously they're not in the stadium and you can tell but it still works for me I also love that that Tanahashi's got the bum leg and you've got Yano, he's he's working on another level as well where it's not just the actual wrestling that's going on in the ring. It's the psychology of the person he's facing. He makes he like gets Tanahashi all the way out of the ring, all the way up the ramp, all the way to the side of the building. He gets back into the ring, and the ref starts to count, and Tanahashi has to run all the way back to the ring on his bum leg. Yeah. Just good stuff. Yeah. Um, Juice Robinson had a match with Kenta, beat him, which was I thought was shocking. They're giving some love to Juice here, but it was a bit of a boring match. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. I, I, Kenta has not been thrilling me this year the way I want him to. Um, Juice is Juice is really good. He's you know I love me some Juice, and I I should love me some Kenta, but Kenta's just been kind of a it's been kind of a drag. Yeah. Um, but also could, could be the drag, the air drag he gets from the Batwing. Would you stop? I'm gonna make myself Leave sick him alone. Again. Stop flap shaming. <sighs> okay. Just, just pinch, pinch right here, right between no, your thumb and your, just, your no, finger. Just pinch right, just no. pinch right there. Every time you're about to say that, and just think about what you've done. I'm not looking. What you're about to it's, do. No. Uh, evil beats Yoshihashi. This was actually, I hate to say this, because uh, I can't stand Yoshihashi too. But this is his strength: is being up against impossible odds and losing, but looking like he really, 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 really wants to. He really wants that win. Yoshihashi was on offense ninety eight percent of this match until Dick Togo got involved. Of course, this was this was one of the best performances I've seen out of Yoshihashi in a really long time. He looked magnificent. Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah, shocked that I liked this match. I was like, oh, evil and Yoshihashi. Oh, this is gonna. It was one of those at the end. You're just like, oh, God damn! Of course, Dick Togo. Okay. It- yep. If Yoshi could make it to the ring without falling in his face and busting his face open, maybe we'll have a match. Right. And then after the match, I'm like, damn, that was actually pretty good. Yoshihashi so. comes in, charges right at him, and we're off. I'm just yeah. oh, God, yeah, get him. <laughs> but he couldn't pick up the victory here, just like Zack Sabre Jr. couldn't pick up the victory versus Tetsuya Naito in a classic. My God, mm. this was a good match. Naito, Zack Sabre Jr., another one that's just one of the best ones of the tournament so far. Yep. Fan-freaking-tastic technical masterpiece. Um, ultimately, Zack Sabre Jr. cannot handle Naito. The champ should look strong like this, I think. So that was the right call to have Naito pick up the win here, even though Zack looked pretty strong. On to night five. This is where I've, uh, I haven't caught up yet, so these are all okay. new to me. Um, well, then you missed out. Taichi uh, had a match with Yujiro Takahashi, which is nothing to talk about. Minoru Suzuki and Jeff Cobb had a nice little match. Jeff Cobb thought he was going to be able to get in their exchange with Minoru Suzuki, but ultimately eats a gotch-style pile driver for his troubles. Kota Ibushi had a match with Tomohiro Ishii. Oh. And Nick. Uh, that sounds painful. Just, just the description you just gave. When, when, <laughs> just the, the two names and yeah. the other, the other word. Yeah. Uh, the, the verb. So 
anytime that Ibushi and Ishii meet each other in the G1, they try to kill each other. And this was no exception. It was just, it was slaps, it was punches, it was hard hits, it was headbutts. It was some nasty, nasty headbutts. Um, and ultimately, it was just an absolute beatdown. Kota Ibushi has to virtually kill Ishii to keep him down. But he does beat him. But this might be my favorite one of the tournament so far. I did watch this night. I can't even keep up anymore. I did watch this because it was me and Andy and Esme, I believe, in the Discord, staying up late, late night crew watching this one. I did see this one. This is the one I was struggling to stay awake at the end. Yeah, so (laughs) the thing thing about this one that I remember the most was uh, I thought Jeff Cobb would put up a better fight against Suzuki. I was very... just didn't have much time. Yeah, but this match with Ibushi and Ishii guys... One, it's uncomfortable. I know a lot of you don't like New Japan because it can be uncomfortable because of yeah. the strikes. The uh, neck strikes. They, they, Ishii keeps chopping him in the neck until Ibushi just gives him a straight punch to the throat. <laughs> and it's not even as bad as their throat punch segment from last year's G was. Last year or the year before. I forget, but they had, might have been two years ago. I think it was they had a ago. whole segment that was just neck punches. They were just punching each other. There was a whole story subplot about them hitting each other in the neck, in the throat. Ay, ay, ay. These guys are out of their minds. Definitely check out Ibushi Ishii. Yeah. And then we go right into Shingo Takagi and Will Ospreay. A, a rematch of my favorite match of last year. Match which of the was year the best last year, according to uh, Super Junior Finals. Yeah. yeah. Not on that level, sadly. No. Very, very, very good. It had vibes of it, yeah. It, but it, it, yeah, it was it was not the same match at all. And also because Shingo Takagi won this, getting his win back from the Best of Super Juniors Finals, finally gets a point on the board. So that was awesome. Very good match, but just not as good as that. It's 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 tough because you know you put it up against a masterpiece like the last time they met. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, then we had Jay White and Kazuchika Okada mm-hmm. in the main event, which the storied history there, of course, speaks for itself. Right. Uh, another very good match, very Jay White match. Uh, Okada is not on his game. That's part of his story right now, which is why Jay White was able to pick up the victory here uh, over o- Okada. Okada is one and two. He's only beaten Yujiro Takahashi so far. I want to tell you how, how off his game much. is. No. <laughs> uh, and finally, night six, Yoshihashi. I can't believe I'm about to say these words. Yoshihashi beats Sonata. Sonata is 0 and 3. Yoshihashi is one and two. Unbelievable. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's not what I saw. And he beat him, he beat him straight up. Yoshihashi he has the same record currently as Kazuchika Okada. And, Ta- and Hiroshi Tanahashi. I mean, it's early days yet. It's only three matches. It's early days. Oh, Lock still man. happen. Kenta beat Zack Sabre Jr. in uh, Snooze Fest. I'm not going to lie. That match did nothing for me. Uh, I wish I was like, Kenta versus Zack Sabre Jr. This should be a classic. Nope. <laughs> Nope. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Juice Robbins had a great match. Just charisma exploding out of the ring after. I mean, maybe it was just because it was after Kenta and Zack Sabre Jr. that this match seemed so good, but I was entertained as hell by this match. Um, Two very crowd-pleasing guys, but Tanahashi does pick up the win here to finally get his first victory by beating Juice Robinson. Toru Yano beats Evil. He beats Evil. He ties up. He ties up Dick Togo with tape. That's smart. It beats Evil with a low blow. Dick Togo is the Toru only Yano. reason that Evil has the wins that he does, frankly. Toriano is 3-0. and <laughs> Evil, the guy who is just double champ, is 1-2. and two. Madness. 
Gato is an evil genius. And finally, Tetsuya Naito beats Hiroki Goto in a very good match. Um, but, you know, given some of the other great matches that there, there were so far, even just in six nights of the G1, I can't say it's in my top three or my top five. But it was very good. It was very good. But I, I, Naito's victory was never really in doubt, I don't think. That was the only downfall. But so here we are standing after six nights, A block, Jay White and Taichi. <laughs> Jay White and Taichi are on the top of A block with three points each. Will Ospreay, Kota Ibushi, Minoru Suzuki right behind them with four points each. And then down with two points, Kazuchika Okada, Jeff Cobb, Shingo Takagi. No points. Yujiro Takahashi and Tomohiro Ishii. Ishii has not won a match yet. Good God. That's just, while, while I understand from looking at the matches that he's had, that's just, that's just criminal, Nick. Yeah, it is. My boy. My boy is 0-3. Mm. It's okay. It's okay. He's going to have a comeback. B block, the champ, Tetsuya Naito, the champ champ, Tetsuya Naito, six points. Also, Toru Yano, six points with three wins. Calling it now, um, New Japan Finals, Tai Chi versus Toru Yano. <laughs> and, and they're going to burn down Karakuen Hall. Or no, uh, sorry, Osaka Joe. Osaka Joe. Uh, Toru Yano, six points. Juice Robinson, Kenta, both with four points apiece. Hiroki Goto, Zack Sabre Jr., Evil, Yoshihashi, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. All tied down at the bottom with two points. And Sonata. Sonata. Zero points. The guy that Nick and I both picked to win the whole thing has zero points. God damn it, Brackets, Gato. brackets, busted. Uh, tomorrow night, everything's continuing. we got more A-block action. Minoru Suzuki versus Yujiro Takahashi. Kota Ibushi versus Jeff Cobb. Mm. Kazuchika Okada versus Taichi. Osprey versus Jay White. And mm, mm, Tomohiro Ishii versus Shingo Takagi. My boy's going to get some points on the board. Yep. Come on, Ishii. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> Shingo know. can easily beat him. I don't know anymore. I don't know. Gato has totally thrown me for a loop. Everything that I thought was right is wrong. Up is down. Left is right. Cats and dogs living together. Mass hysteria. That is your G1 climax standings. Uh, well, thank you, sir, Ian Dangerous, but we're not done just yet, guys. We're oh, going to bring back the old haunt yet again with the other news lightning round. Beep, 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 All right, sir, Ian Dangerous, uh, okay. you, sir, are officially on the clock. Here we go. So Harold May is officially out at New Japan. That's right, at a meeting of New Japan's pro wrestling parent company, Bushi Road. Uh, the board of directors meeting today, September 29th, announced that a change was in, in, uh, made in New Japan's directorship. This change will take effect at the beginning of New Japan's 50th year of trading on October 23rd. Harold May is out. He's been there since May of 2018. That's Harold May, M-E-I-J, started on in May, M-A-Y, of 2018. He is a, uh, yeah. <laughs> right. He is actually being replaced by Takami Obari, who was he's currently the CEO of New Japan USA. No word on why May stepped down slash was ousted, wanted to move on, but it does seem to be strange timing. Uh, he did apologize for announcing in the middle of G1. It does seem to be very strange timing for him to step down, but no real word on why as of yet, just the fact that it's happening. Uh, also leaving the company, their, their company, RVD and Katie Forbes, are done at Impact. They're now free agents. RVD had not had a full contract for a while. They were working on a short-term contract basis until till they finished their storylines. Once storylines were done, they're out. They're free agents. Where could they go next? All Elite Wrestling! Um, who knows? We'll see where they end up. <laughs> Joey Ryan... I didn't think we'd be talking about him again so soon, but Joey Ryan is suing 
three of his speaking out accusers for $20 million. Heal by Nature has uh, reported that Ryan is claiming lost revenues of $3,500 in revenue from bar wrestling, $1,000 in revenue, monthly uh, revenue from merchandise, $8,000 to $10,000 in monthly wrestling bookings, uh, $1,000 in Twitch revenues. This is all monthly. $500 in Cameo revenues, $3,000 in Patreon revenue. Uh, he's also claiming he's lost social media followers, and he's also seen a substantial decrease in his social media followings. I wonder why. He is asking each of his accusers for $200,000 for economic damages multiplied by the amount of months since June 21st when all this came out. He's asking for $5 million each in non-economic damages and punitive damages of $10 million due to, quote, malice, hatred, ill will, and despicable and intentional acts. Now, keep in mind, he was accused of rape and sexual abuse and sexual assault by more than just three women, multiple women. But he's just going after these three because they were the most vocal and they were attaching their names to it. Uh, he uh, tried to apologize, even put out a video which he had to take down immediately because everyone came after him about it. So we shall see what happens next with Joey Ryan here. Wow. He's going on the offensive. Emphasis on offensive. Roman Reigns on the Loaded Management Podcast says that for WrestleMania opponents for him, The Rock makes the most sense. Yeah. He said we have to break some eggs to get there, but it makes the most sense, just given the storylines. And Rock is down. We said it before. Rock would do it if they can make it work. And if it happens at SoFi Stadium next year, which they're, whether they're going to try and get it here in L.A. again, uh, that could be a very, 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 very big deal in L.A. to have The Rock headlining with Roman Reigns. However, of course, they also asked him about, what if it were CM Punk? And Roman said, quote, I don't like the guy. I don't know many people who do. I just don't know many who do, but I'm willing to put business first and make really good content if that's the case. He'd probably have to be slapped around a few times in order to get his mind right, but if he's willing and the fans and audience are going to like it and be into it, then most likely I'm going to be into it too. Never happened. <laughs> Never in a million years. No. Especially if Roman's sitting here saying, yeah, I'm going to slap him around a little bit. See, and, and CM Punk hears that and just goes, uh, yeah, it's not, it's not worth it. Yeah. It's not worth it. No. I'm happy where I'm at. Yeah. Uh, Alexa Bliss got into a bunch of Twitter heat. Uh, she got some flack for saying, honestly, I don't blame him, lol, hashtag shoot your shot, bud, about the Murphy and Aaliyah story angle. We mentioned that earlier in the show, how a lot of people jumped on that as saying it was inappropriate to have a 32-year-old going after a 19-year-old, if that is indeed what is happening. And apparently people didn't like Murphy's real-life ex-girlfriend saying such things, encouraging him to shoot his shot on a 19-year-old. Uh, Alexa then followed up after all this by saying, do I know her or her age? No. Was I trying to be supportive of Murphy? Yes. Back off and calm down, people. Just be happy Murphy is getting the success he's worked for. That's all. Be bothered by something else. And find, and people just kept coming for her. She had to shut down her, her Twitter for a while there, <laughs> as well as saying, try to make one comment supporting my ex, and now I'm the bad guy? Question mark, question mark. Um, it's Twitter, <laughs> Alexa. If you don't know by now... You will never, ever, ever know it. Mm. Wow. James Storm told Ryan Satin that he was set to go to WWE as of WrestleMania weekend, 
but plans were put on hold due to COVID. Really? Yeah, James Storm. WWE made overtures to him. He actually started talking to uh, Lagana and Corgan over at NWA about getting out of his contract, and they said, yeah, sure, just finish up your dates and you're good. So he was going to drop the tag belts WrestleMania weekend and head over to WWE. He had new gear made. He had the contracts were starting to get signed, and then they stopped it in its tracks because of COVID. And they said, we're not hiring anyone new at this time. Oops. Don't. Uh, don't. So How's that independent know, contractor life treating you? Yeah, not so good. Uh, maybe talk to Braun Strowman. He's got some good advice for independent contractors. Oh, okay. They should know better. Yeah. Right, Braun? Yeah. So, yeah, so that's rough for James Storm and for WWE. I think he'd be a good pickup. Wonder where he'll end up now or if he'll still work for NWA, which is apparently on indefinite hiatus because Corgan's not even talking about it. No. He's like, we'll see what happens when it happens. There's no no time. Sell the roster people. to AEW and move on, dude. Go make some more music. <laughs> yeah, or just, just get absorbed by AEW. Yeah, it, it, it was a nice try. Ken Shamrock is being inducted into Impact's Hall of Fame. And he has asked The Rock to say something. On Twitter, he said, hey, brother, I am being inducted to The Rock. He said, I am being inducted into the Impact Wrestling Hall of Fame. I'd be very grateful if you could send an induction greeting. After all, I believe my time with you was my greatest memories in wrestling. Thank you. And I'll be damned, The Rock wrote him back saying, congrats, my brother. Awesome news. I will take care of this and get it to you by this weekend. That means The Rock is going to appear on Impact Television. I just want to say this. Because the Hall of Fame ceremony is going to be happening on Bound for Glory week on October 24th. They're going to induct Ken Shamrock, and The Rock is going to have a videotaped message about Ken Shamrock on Impact. Vince cannot be Just, happy about that. It ain't up to Vince, man. The Rock is bigger than Vince now. Yeah, he is. What's Vince going to do? Rock does what he wants. Yeah. And that's really cool. He's yeah, doing that I for created them. No, He'll claim credit for it. Guys, damn it. Yeah. yeah, you made him... <laughs> <laughs> they made themselves, Vince. Rock yeah. went out on his own, made him damn self. You sent him so out that... there in, like, feathers. <laughs> and look what that he was is... able to do with that. And she pet hair. Right. Yeah. And now look where we're at. And that is the news, Nick. That is the news for this week. Oh, well, thank you very much, Serene Dangerous. I do want to call out a quick bits that I missed uh, back in the New Japan stuff. Jacob. Okay, okay, Bumblebee, go away. Jacob put 100 bits in. He says, rip to my bracket as I had Sonata winning oh, also. Okay. But Toriyanu is going to win the G1 on tape and a dream. <laughs> yes, indeed. He's I, the rock. I, you know what? It's not that crazy to think about that Toriyanu, look at who he's beat. Like, if he goes through the tournament and, and beats Naito, he already gets a shot, right? So it's not unfathomable that he could win. I, I'm just saying. It's it's pretty crazy to think about, but uh, I, it's, I can't. I just can't see him main main headlining the Tokyo Dome with this gimmick. <laughs> just can't see it. Can't see it. People love him. <laughs> the madness of Gato is at play here. We have not seen anything of what this, how this this is all going to end up. Uh, We've seen it for the last few years. It, give it a few more weeks. <laughs> you're, you're all flustered over there. I am I very flustered. But, guys, we're going to wrap up here real quick with a segment we like to call our Moment of Positivity. Mop, that's right. Moment of positivity, the mop, that time at the end of the show. We take all of that negative energy and throw it out the window and instead only think about the positive things, the good things that happened over the last few days of professional wrestling. And we 
relate those to all of you who are listening to us, all of our lovely listeners. Thank you guys all for checking in and hanging out with us because this is the time we try to give back and send you all back out in the world with some warm fuzzies in your stomachs so you're not sitting here thinking about how mad we were at Raw this week. Instead, you're thinking about the good things. So, Nick, what were your good things? What was your moment of positivity for this week? Can I include Clash of Champions? Yeah, of course. That was last night it's, or two nights ago. It's easily the, the Roman J. Uso stuff. It, mm. the, the tribal chief, the way that the story has progressed, I thought it was going to end up being goofy. It's become something so meta that includes the the whole dynasty, Samoan dynasty. Mm. I, I'm like I was hesitant to buy in just because of because Roman Reigns. I, I'm all in. I want to. I want to. I want to. I want this to play out. I want to see the whole story unfold. I want to see the Usos being forced. To, to work with him because family, but then ultimately falling under the in uh, in line. I, I, just, I there's so much that they can do here. It's one of the best stories they've they've put together in a really long time. I hope at some point we get a chronicle or something like that to go back and say, did Roman Reigns cook this up while he was out for six months? Did, did who tell me how this story came to be? Because it's been one of those things I've always sort of proselytized around is that like there was some sort of Samoan curse on Vince because all the all the Samoans somehow get get their way with Vince uh, to a certain extent what is that what is that about and here we are with this one that could tell the entire story of the the entire Samoan dynasty going all the way back with with Afa and Sika so I'm and, and do it compellingly yes. not just tell it but do it very compelling yes so yeah. Rocky Johnson Rocky Maivia you got the whole whole bloodline is a part of this now, and I am here for it. Put it in my freaking eye holes. And not only that, they're they're talking about in the chat right now, but also Roman shirtless is. I mean, I, I'm. You know what? I'm I'm a straight man, right? And that made me wonder. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know. Uh, uh, All right. Damn, son. Yeah. I get, well, I get it. <clears throat> A little little warm in here. <laughs> you're you're going to need to get a new action figure for your mic boom though, so uh, you can get rid of the tack. Why this? I have yeah, I know I got well. That's I know I can, I can always just pet his arms up here though. Got a little my little Roman up here. What? Don't look at me like pet that. His my arms. My, pet his arms. Wow. Don't, okay. Just, okay. We've lost Sir Ian Dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. My mop <laughs> for this week. Uh, it's t- I really want to say it was Ibushi and Ishii. It just it was really good. It wasn't as good as their last G1 match, or the one before that. This is not their best G1 match. I'd have it to go back really, and watch really it. They good. were both phenomenal. It was really good. I think the other one was better. My mop has to be, and is edged out only by a little bit, by a big Fidel Castro-looking beard, Sami Zayn, winning the Intercontinental Championship again. You have to say it like him. Intercontinental. 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 Yeah, the Quebecois <laughs> accent. I can't yes. do it. Him winning again. Thank, thank you, WWE. That was the right decision. It was. Let him, let him keep it. Don't be petty and say, you went away for six months. Screw you. We're taking it away for good. Give him another chance. Continue with what you were doing with it. That was the right decision. I'm happy to see that they were not petty. I'm happy to see there was no hard feelings. I'm happy to see that they recognized that was the most interesting person to put it on in that match. And that match was bananas. There was a ladder attached to Jeff Hardy's ear. With handcuffs. With handcuffs. Yeah, that the match was great. The outcome was great. That is my moment of positivity. 
Well, thank you very much, sir, Ian Dangerous. Guys, hang around. Don't run off just yet. We're going to take a quick 10-minute break after we do the outro here. We're going to come right back with episode number 51 of the patron mailbag. So hang tight. We're going to do our little housekeeping stuff. We'll come mm-hmm. right back to you after a quick break. Uh, make sure you guys get into the Discord. we got a lot of shows coming up. Uh, we've got TakeOver coming up this weekend. Again, back <laughs> with the back-to-back pay-per-views. They did move it from Saturday, October 10th to Sunday, October 4th. So it will be this Sunday. Make sure you get into the Discord for live chat and post-game show afterwards right here on Twitch. Uh, also coming up, we've got uh, Hell in a Cell on October 25th. So two, three show, two shows this month, two shows in November, craziness Madness. G- g1's Madness. going on there's live chats about the g1 constantly going on in the discords as people are playing catch up and working their way through it so make sure you get into there links down in the panels below follow us on twitter and instagram at bwo podcast subscribe over at youtube.com slash busted wide open uh make sure you get into the facebook discussion group and like our page over there just search for busted wide open and you'll find our links over there as well and patrons thank you guys so much for all of your support every single month uh we're getting ready to head over and do your show right now after this but if you guys would like to get your questions in every single week uh head over to patreon.com slash bwo uh sign up to that five dollar tier you get uh the show notes play in the patron pickums challenge uh you get to send questions in every single week throughout the month and you are we will still have access to the audio only episodes all for just the cost of a beer for me or in not even both of us if you want to buy like both three one, of your like three of your beers like exactly. Like I do two dollar yeah. tall boys, right? So yeah. I just <laughs> uh at the ten dollar tier you get all of that plus a bonus episode every single month uh from us uh, of, of topics of our choosing and all of that good stuff. Uh I wanna do call do you want to call out real quick? Jacob threw another hundred bits in. I think that was Jacob. Let me refresh that real quick. My tool's been broken all night. Uh it says, let's see if I can oop, nope. Where'd it go? Uh, actually, that was Josh Logan that resubscribed with a Twitch Prime Hey-o. for two months. Thank you very much, Josh. Thank you, brother. Getting it in in September, just before the cutoff. Uh, let's see if I can get the hang of this Twitch thing. You get it, man. It's you got real this. easy. You, you got, got this. this. It's all good. Uh, but yes, patrons, if you'd like to get in on some of that stuff, patreon.com slash BWO. Come join the Phenomenal Ones or subscribe here on Twitch. Throw some bits at us. Support your boys, and we thank you for it. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! But somebody stop the damn man! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.